morning, everyone. I am, thank you. I am Brett Stevens. I'm the discipleship pastor here at Gateway. I am almost 34, and I have been in the church my entire life. Uh, I was born and raised in the church in a, uh, in a Christian home, going uh, from a very young age. I was baptized as an infant. Uh, I went to a Christian university for my undergraduate. Uh, I have gone on to seminary, uh, and I say all this to say I have been around church people, a lot of church people, a lot of different church people my whole life. And I have noticed and I have experienced that there is a disconnect. And I expect you have experienced this disconnect too. That there are almost two different worlds of Christianity. There is a world over here that we talk about. And there's a world over here that most of us live in. In this world over here that we talk about, we read the Bible. We see these stories of amazing things happening. Of people praying and seeing fire come down from heaven. Of people healed because someone laid their hands on them. Of dead people coming back to life. Of jars that pour limitless oil. Of rocks that are spoken to or touched or struck and water gushes forth. Of food appearing on the ground miraculously each day. We hear stories from around the world of these same things happening. We read stories of missionaries who go and experience amazing wonders. They, they pray and they see the power of God miraculously transform the world that they're in. But I suspect most of you, like me, have lived a very different experience of your Christian faith. Some of you here probably haven't been Christian very long. Some of you here may not even want to use that word. You might be considering it, perhaps, but you're mostly curious about what's going on. Perhaps someone brought you here and this isn't really even something you're interested in. But I suspect that you all have an experience similar to this, that you will come in this building, you'll sing songs, sometimes you'll pray, and most of the time, the things that you pray will sort of maybe happen, but you don't tend to pray for anything too dramatic, like the person with stage four cancer, or a child with a permanent disability, because you're not really sure that that prayer would even be answered if you did pray for it, that something would actually happen there. And so there's this disconnect, this world that we live in that doesn't seem to have these miraculous things happen, that doesn't seem to have a powerful God doing powerful things. And this world over here that we've heard about, that we've read about, that we want to go into, but we can't quite make it. I want to look today at these words from the prophet Isaiah. Now, the prophet Isaiah preached or spoke or prophesied through four different kings. So he was around for a while. He had a lot to say. And this experience that he has, he sees God's glory. He really genuinely sees the power of God manifested before him. And this is after he's been a prophet for a while. 
So here, let's look at Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they called to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe is me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. The prophet Isaiah we don't know how old he was when this happened, but the prophet Isaiah had been a prophet. Possibly even a priest, based on this vision where he is seeing stuff happening inside of the temple itself, a place reserved for the priests. But it was in this particular moment that he saw the glory of the Lord. He saw this miraculous vision in which he suddenly realized that God was so powerful, so large, so glorious, and so grand that this building they had built to be his home, the most beautiful building in all of the city, this one that was painstakingly carved and crafted and lined with gold and elaborate decorations, was so small, so insignificant, that just the hem of his robe filled it all, and his glory expanded outward and all around him. He saw these amazing creatures. The word seraphim, we don't know exactly the purpose of it, but the word seraph in Hebrew refers to fire and burning. So these burning ones, we don't know exactly if they were, if it was like radiant light coming off of them, if he literally saw them on fire and that's why he called them seraphim, we're not sure. But these grand creatures that he can struggles to describe flying around and shouting constantly to each other about how great God is. And his reaction to all of this is despair. Despair. This God that he's worshipped probably his entire life, that he has daily done rituals to honor, and he sees who he is for real, he witnesses his goodness, his glory, his power, and his response is despair. Why? Well, let's 
look deeper at what happened. Why did he see this vision now of all time? He'd been following God. He'd been prophesying for years. Why now? This happened in the year King Uzziah died. In the ancient world, the king was a sign of the power of the nation. So if a king became old and frail, people became afraid that their nation was old and frail and would fall apart. If their king went out to war and lost a battle, it was as though the entire nation had suffered defeat, shame, and humiliation. The king was the sign of the nation. And when the king dies, they all feel, we have lost ourselves. As a nation, what will happen to us now? Particularly when you have a king that is good, a king that rules well. This was what Isaiah was experiencing. Who am I? What will I do now? What comes next? He was lost because his hope was in his king. And it is telling that part of what he experiences as he revel or as he is crushed under despair after all that he has seen, what he says is this I am ruined because my eyes have seen the king, the Lord Almighty. He said, my hope has been in this king, King Uzziah, and he's gone. And now I realize that all the time, you were the king. And still he feels despair. What does he say? I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. Pastor Tony, as I was talking with him about this, pointed out something that I'd never realized before. He says, I am a man of unclean lips. Remember, he had been a prophet already. A prophet who speaks the words of God. And he says, now I see who you really are. And all these years that I've talked about you, that I've spoken your words, everything I've said is down here, and you're up here. The, the chasm between these two is too vast. How can I speak your words? How can I be a prophet for you when this is what I am? It was in light of who God was that he saw himself and despaired over his wretched condition. But then God sends this creature, this seraphim, with a coal to touch his lips. Symbolically burning away the impurity, the uncleanness. And then finally, God says, I'm looking, who will go? Any volunteers? Who will I send? And Isaiah, who just a moment ago is despairing, says, I'm ready. Send me. Now here's the problem. This story can easily be one of so many that is over here. In the realm of the stories we read about, the stories we hear about, and we can say, well, that's great. That's wonderful, but I'm over here still. I haven't seen a vision of God's glory. I sure would love to, to imagine the 
glory of God filling this place so much that the hem of his robe fills this whole sanctuary? I'd love to see it. But here I am. No glory. No vision. What do I do? Let's learn from Isaiah. First, Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died. His hope was in the king. His hope was in this ruler, this powerful figure who represented all that was good to him, all that was right, that represented everything that he believed in and hoped for. This was the person that he probably worked with closely as a prophet. This was who his hope was in. What of you? What is your hope in? Perhaps your hope is in this church, in Tony and his leadership. Perhaps your hope is in the right people getting into Congress, into the presidency, or into the Senate. Perhaps your hope is that some things will get better around here, that Angola will improve. Perhaps your hope is in that job promotion that you're going to get. Perhaps your hope is that your kids will grow up and make you proud. Perhaps your hope is that you'll finally get to retire and relax and go do that thing you've always wanted to do. And I will tell you this. All of those things, if your hope is in them, then you, like Isaiah, will not see the glory of God. While your hope is on these things on earth, you will lack that vision of the King, the Lord Almighty. So what is your hope that must die so you can see the King? The second thing we learn as we look at Isaiah's story here is he saw the Lord and despaired. You see, many of us who have grown up in church, many of us, even who are outside the church, generally would say, I think that I am a good person. I'm kind, as long as the person isn't too mean to me. I think about other people, I give to them when I have resources to spare. I don't do anything mean or callous. I've never killed anyone. I'm usually pretty honest. I'm a good person. But the problem is, all of that is sort of looking at myself and saying, well, I compare it to you and you and you, and we're all about right here, more or less, so I'm good. I'm good. But, I mean, extend that logic out, and you realize that this doesn't make sense, right? I could say, I'm an okay runner. Don't laugh, Lydia. <laughs> I'm an okay runner compared to, you know, the pick a few of the least athletic of you, right? <laughs> it's, it's all about who you're comparing yourself to. I'm not a good runner. I know that. But, but this is the point. is In other areas of our life, we know if I just pick a few people out and say, we're all about right here, well, what good is that? Why in the field and you know, compared to Usain Bolt, pick an Olympic runner, and I'm, I'm terrible at running. 
The problem is we say, I'm a good person. You know, sure, I'm not a, I'm not a saint like Mother Teresa, but I'm better than Hitler. Yeah, great. <laughs> Setting the high bar. But, here's the, but this is the point. It's all about who you compare yourself to. And Isaiah, in his vision, saw the true high bar and said, oh, man. I was looking down here. I'm okay. And now it's up here. And I'm ruined. He saw the real point of comparison. He was able to assess himself accurately and honestly. And as long as we are stuck believing, I'm good, I'm okay. Because this leads to the last true point of this. And I will be brutally honest with you now. The reason why most of us don't see the glory of God is because we don't want to. And here's what I mean. I'll use an, a more earthly comparison to make my point. Ask most people, ask me, and, you, and say, do you want to be healthier? Yeah, of course I want to be healthier. Now ask me what I eat. Ask me how much I exercise. Ask me how consistent I am on going to bed at a good time. And now ask me, do I want to be healthier? Or do I just kind of hope that someday I'll be healthier? Because to be healthier requires me to do things that I don't want to do. Exercising is hard work. I like those foods that aren't good for me. But we do the same thing with God and his glory. That we say, I want to see the glory of God. I want to know him. I want to follow him. I want to see these amazing things. And the question is, what are we doing to show that? What changes are we making? What habits are we cultivating that would allow us to see the glory of God? Isaiah was able to see himself for who he was. And it was ugly. Isaiah despaired when his king died. But when he saw the vision of God's glory he understood what was happening. He was able to see himself. He was able to recognize, this is what I've been hoping on. This is what I should hope on. And you can see that the change happened. And here's how. At the very end, when God calls out, who will I send? Who will go for me? Isaiah says, I'm ready. Here I am. Send me. What a transformation. From, I'm doomed. I'm ruined. To here I am. Send me. But even that, if you know the story of Isaiah, you know the message he had to bring. A message of darkness, a message of despair, a message of ruin to his people, a message that no one wanted to hear. And he brought it anyway. You see, that's the challenge here. It's easy right now to say, I could do that. I could say, I'm ready, God, send me. I'm ready. But what if he says, great, sell it all. It's time to be a missionary. What if he says, that's wonderful. We've got to go back to school. What if he says, 
I'm so glad to hear it. It's time to leave that job that pays so well. Just trust me, I'll get you some, something else, but we got to move. Now he's got to leave. But this is where the change happens. When you say, here I am, send me, no matter what. Here I am, send me, no limitations, no strings attached. Here I am, send me. So people of God, this is the challenge today. When you look at your life, look close and ask this hard question. Do I want to see God's glory? Do I want to see God's glory? Let me pray for you as the band comes forward for our last song. God in heaven, you are so much larger, greater, more powerful than we can imagine. I'm afraid even to say the words, but I want to see your glory. Will you reveal yourself to us today? Holy Spirit, by your power, open our hearts to ourselves. Take away our deception and our masks and lay us bare that we can see for sure the true answer to this question. That we can know ourselves as you know us. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.